You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I have a great topic today, and it's one that'll be perfectly timed for the start of the new year. And um, my guest is a gentleman named Daniel Dominguez. Daniel is part of something called the Why Institute. And I'm going to let him fill in a lot of blanks, but let me preface by saying I do a lot of work with clients to help decide on personal purpose. I learned that a long time ago that people do their best work when they are aligned with their own sense of personal purpose. Simon Sinek came out with the big book, you know, Begin With Why, and it started a whole movement of people asking themselves the question, what is my why? And as we're going to talk about, a lot of people understood the book, but when it got down to really making that your own, there was a struggle there. So Daniel and the group of people he works with have have helped perpetuate that and come up with some practical solutions. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Doug. It's a pleasure to be on. And and you're so right. You know, the beginning of the new year is a great time to start thinking about or talking about. And we hear it all the time, right? Everybody hears about what's your why? Why do you do what you do? What's my purpose? What is it? What, what was I put on this earth to do? And, and those are tough questions. And especially if, if you're going through a change or you're starting a new venture or you're starting at a new job and, and you work with, you you mentor leaders. If you're a leader to starting a new position in the new year, uh, those are great questions to ask yourself. How do you communicate who you are to that new group that you're leading? Right. And it is such a, a fundamental element of effective leadership. And that's what we're about on this show is helping equip people to take on roles of leadership responsibility and, and not just learn how to be a slick, productive manager, but be a bona fide leader of people. And there's a big difference in that. And that's another whole show that we can get into and talk about. But today, I really do want to lean into this question of uh, how do I learn and how do I discover my why? When I work with a lot of clients, in fact, just recently, I had a bit of an aha moment with some clients we had already spent months talking about the nuts and bolts of their business and i finally challenged them with the question why do you do this what what is your why you know why did you start this company where do you think it's going what are you trying to serve what sense of purpose are you fulfilling by running this business that for the moment is driving you crazy, by the way? And uh, uh, the guys were stumped. They were in their 40s, mid-40s. They had never been asked that question. It was just a, kind of an evolutionary progression to make money, quote, quote. And we have done some great work. They have really grasped the, the concept of exploring that, and they've, they've really got a whole new lease on life, so to speak. 
Yeah, you know, it, it's it's great that you asked that question. And, and, you know, Nietzsche said, if you if you have a strong enough why, you can survive anyhow. And, and it really points to the importance of knowing the why. And when you ask that question, why why is it that you started this business? And we work with founders all the time who, when we ask that question, we ask them to go back. What is it that drove you into law, right? What is it that made you start this law firm, you know, 30 years ago? And you've been at it for 30 years. And as you said, you get into the minutia of running a law firm, of adding partners, of adding staff to support those partners and creating ad campaigns and all the things that come with building that business. Then you go back and say, so we, we did this recently with a founder whose why was to challenge the status quo and think different. And when we said, so why did you get into this? He said, I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be that lawyer that was different, that was here to help people. You know, and when we went through the the process with him to come out at the end, so we figured out his why, his how, and his what. And his why was to challenge the status quo and think differently. His how was to make sense, and his what was to contribute to the success of others. And then when we put all of that together, so we have your why, your how, and your what, the golden circle that Simon Sinek talked about. When we put that all together, we started talking about, okay, so who do you want to be to the clients that come and see you? He says, I want to be someone that's going to do it differently. I'm not going to be like everybody else. So what is it that makes you different? We worked on that. And how I'm going to be different is by helping people make sense of the law. His how is to make sense of the law so that other people don't have to. That's why we all hire an attorney, right? Somebody to make sense of it. We don't want to go to law school and have to represent ourselves. So we hire somebody that can make sense of it. And then he said, at the end of the day, ultimately, what I want to do is contribute to your success. So I put it into three very succinct buckets so he could communicate to his clients, hey, I'm here to do it differently. If you want to run of the mill everyday lawyer, go find someone else. I'm going to do it differently. If you want different and out of the box, hire me. If you want somebody to help you make sense of it, hire me. And if you want somebody that cares about you, that's going to do everything they can to make sure you succeed then you want to hire me. And what that did is it clarified for everybody that he works with what they're getting when they work with him. Yeah. And that's who you get. Yeah. So powerful in that. And it, it, it just has so many ancillary benefits that, you know, I, I just recorded a show earlier today and I, I was talking with someone, we were talking about branding and brand messaging and really at the root of it, if you don't, think about or don't know your why, you're probably just spinning and trying to figure out your real brand messaging. You know, what do you really want to represent, especially when we're talking about the entrepreneurial environment? You know, big companies, I think the whys are important, and that's another subject we can talk about. Right. But it's easy to kind of get lost in that giant mass of whatever big corporate has decided for itself but for the individual that has committed all their resources to go start a business if you've not really explored that sense of purpose and why <clears throat> you're you're ultimately spinning your wheels and i say that in in my humble opinion yeah well i think that's uh you bring up a great point understanding your drive 
right? So there's nine whys. And, and what we've done at, at Y Institute, we've created a discovery, a, a way for coaches to help their clients understand their why. And so there's nine whys. There's nine different ways that we have found, and we've done this with over 100,000 people, Doug, but there's nine different ways that we find people are motivated. And depending on which of those is your primary, that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. For me, it's contribute. For me, I wake up every morning and I want to make a difference in the lives of others. I want to help. I want to go and be part of a greater cause. And so that drives me. That drives me everywhere. That's what gets me up out of bed. Now, how I go about it, how I go about contributing is through my why, which is my how, of challenging the status quo. So what I do, how I do it is by challenging things, doing things differently, doing things out of the box and bringing different ideas. So if Doug hires me to come help him to help with the leadership powered by common sense, I'm going to say, hey, Doug, the way I can help you, the way I can contribute to the success of your podcast is by bringing you some different ideas, stuff you might not have thought of, stuff that's out of the box. And what I'm going to bring, what I ultimately will deliver are solutions that make sense. So I'm going to contribute. I'm going to do it differently. And I'm going to help you make sense of it. So again, as you said, I don't spin my wheels every morning. I know what I want to do. I want to contribute to the success of others. I want to do it differently. And I want to help people make sense of it. And what that does, and when you talk about spinning your wheels, it gives me a filter. I filter all my decisions through that filter. If somebody, so if Doug invites me to be on a podcast, I think to myself, okay, um, is it going to contribute to the success of others? How is it different? And does it make sense? What problem does it solve? And if I can answer yes to one of those, then I'm in. If I can answer yes to two of those, then I'm definitely in. If I answered yes to all three, I'm all in. But if, it, if I can't say yes to at least one of those, I'm going to be really cautious about whether I want to be involved. Yeah. So it gives us a filter. Well, I've kind of reverse engineered my mindset about this whole idea of understanding personal purpose and ultimately the why i i've had a kind of my own personal innate sense of that for a long time but i didn't really see it in others or, or think about it for others until the 2008 time frame when we had the big financial crisis and through a series of events I got involved with organizing an or, an, a, a nonprofit organization to help job seekers. And initially, I was just going to help facilitate the actual kind of tactical job search. I was going to bring in people that were experts at writing resumes and doing interviews right. and all the classic stuff. But what I quickly discovered was for the people that were showing up on my doorstep they had been given pink slips they were saying out the door we're cutting you're gone you know right so they were impacted by this very personal sense of loss and i discovered quickly there were two kinds of loss and it does split very broadly across the gender for men it was a loss of identity now that they lost their job that they had had for 10, 15, 20 years, they didn't know who they were anymore. They had mm -hmm. no sense of that whatsoever. For the ladies, it was more a function of loss of security. Mm. 
for those that had been professional workers for a long time, they losing the job was more about that whole financial security thing and right. that little sense of independence. But in both cases, the way we fixed it was to lead people on a journey to discover and reconnect with their sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And this was before Simon Sinek has written his book. Nobody was talking about whys. We we were focused on purpose. And really, it was it was a, a genuinely life changing experience for people when they really spent the time and reconnected with that. They totally reengineered. We had people that were then launching their job searches going a. 180 degrees opposite of where they had been. Right. Because they discovered what they had been doing had nothing to do with their sense of purpose. And that explained why they were frustrated. Well, so, you, want, you want to do what, you know, you know, uh, Watson Jordan, who is a common friend of ours, calls it your zone of genius, right? He's a better way guy who likes to keep things simple and contribute to the success of others. So that's his zone of genius. When Watson is, is in his zone of genius, he's finding better ways to do things. And he's constantly doing that. If we follow him on LinkedIn, you see him constantly talking about better ways. Today, he put out a, a, a post about um, a better way to run your team meetings. And, and that's what he does. He finds better ways to do things, and then he shares them. How he does it is by keeping things simple, right? And so what, I, what you probably found during that 2008 crash, as people did that introspection, and started looking at what they love to do. And as you said, they found, hey, what I've been doing is not what I love doing. It pays the bills. And that's one of the things we talk about, our coaches talk about with their clients all the time. You can do anything, right? If it's if your mortgage is due or your kids need to eat, you can do just about anything. That doesn't mean you're going to have energy for it. Yeah. If you finish the day and you're completely drained, and for most of us, if we're not in a place where we're actually able to live our why or how and our what, we're going to be drained by noon. <laughs> and then you're slogging through the afternoon trying to get the job done, but versus a time when you're in in a place where you can be yourself. I was working with, with Denise Harmon today. She was um, putting together her messaging. She's Her why is to challenge the status quo, to, to find a better way by challenging the status quo and building trust. She's worked for two big companies. She worked for a, a very prominent family in her hometown for many years. And then she worked at an exclusive private cup club. And now she's working as a coach and she wants to attract the right people. So she's building her message around the fact that she's constantly looking for a better way. She's going to find better ways by challenging the status quo, looking at things differently and what she's going to deliver are solutions you can trust. So we built her message based on that. And she's talking about that to everyone she meets. And again, as you said, she, she's done this throughout her career, working for, for this prominent family. But how, how well do you think somebody who's always looking for a better way is always challenging the status quo. How well do those people do in a corporate environment where there's <laughs> rules and processes and right. systems, right? Um, she she was in a shell a long, for a long time, right? And she had to in order to uh, abide by the rules. And now that she can be herself, she can always say, hey, I don't like the way that's being done. I think there's a better way. Guess what? Nobody's telling her she can't. In a corporate environment, you're going to get that a lot. Hey, that sounds like a great idea, Doug. 
we'll take it into consideration for now. Let's consider, let's continue doing what we yeah, do the way that we've always task. done it. Right. What was that? Uh, get back on task. You know, exactly. Uh, do what get... you do, what we pay you to do. We hired you to do this job. We didn't hire you to find a better way to do it. We didn't hire you to challenge the status quo. Uh, so, so let's go do that. So you can imagine there's probably a lot of people listening that are saying, Hey, that happens to me all the time. I have better ways to do things, but nobody wants to listen to me. And so it doesn't mean you have to leave your job. It just means you got to, if you know that about yourself, you've got to be able to communicate it so that people can take advantage of that strength that you have. It's a strength, finding better yeah. ways to do things and sharing them with others, but it, it's not a strength if you don't know it. Yeah, that's right. Well, let's touch on you. You've referenced several times the, the, the idea that there are nine whys that have, you guys have discovered. Can you run us through that list of nine real quick? You bet. You bet, Doug. So there's nine whys. And um, as uh, you know, to give you a little bit of background, where they came from, Gary, our founder and CEO, Gary Sanchez, um, is a dentist by trade. He spent uh, 30 years in dentistry. But during that time, uh, he, he found time to listen to Simon Sinek's TED Talk about 13 years ago. It talked about the golden circle, about discovering your why. Well, what he did that's different than what any of us did, Doug, and I wish we had, uh, because we'd be, we'd be sharing. We, well, the good news is we are sharing this message, but he did something we didn't do. He called Simon up and said, hey, listen to your TED Talk. Um, can you help me discover my why? Because I want to know my why. And at that time, Simon didn't have a system or a process for that. So Gary set out to find it. He spent eight months with Simon. They worked together uh, and they helped discover Gary's why. And his why, as we talked about earlier, is to find a better way and share it. So when your why is to find a better way, you say to yourself, well, it's gotta, there's got to be a better way to discover someone's why than to take eight months with one person one-on-one. -on -one. Because even if that guy lives another 50 years, that's only 75 people that are going to discover their why. So he set out, he became obsessed with it. And everybody that he met, if he was sitting next to you on a plane, he was going to discover your why. If he was, if you were standing next to him in the grocery store line, he was going to ask you about your why. And he did the research. He spent a couple of years just interviewing a couple thousand people. And he asked the question, what, why do you do what you do? And when you take the discovery, you'll see that he uses the same language that people use to, de to describe their why, contribute to the success of others, build trust. So he built that into a questionnaire that he would walk people through to discover their why. And it would take him a couple hours. And that became something that he started getting known for. As a dentist, all of a sudden, he did this with his dental practice and he messaged himself differently based on his why. You know, uh, a better way. Uh, life is better with great teeth was what, what his model. He was my dentist, so that's how I know. <laughs> life is better with great teeth. So it was all about finding a better way to live your life by being healthy dentally. So all of a sudden, other dental practices started inviting him. Hey, can you do this for us? Because he knew the why of everybody that he worked with. And so he knew how to work with them better by knowing what motivated them. And he started doing this all over the world, getting invited to speak and eventually said, hey, I think I want to do this and share it with the world. So he quit dentistry and it began the Y Institute. And that's what we're doing. We're sharing the, the, the nine whys with the world. So now we've done it with over 100,000 people. And here's the nine whys. 
So back to the question. So now I've given you a little bit of background, Doug. So the nine whys are, and I'm going to give them to you in the order of most common to the least common. The most common why, the one that a lot of people have, about 22% of the population is contribute to make a difference in the lives of others, to make a positive impact, to help. These are people that when you meet them, they're the people that say, how can I help you? And they're always saying yes. Now, the strength of that why is we all love those people. The challenge that they have for themselves is they tend to spread themselves too thin because they're so willing to help everyone. The second one, most common is trust. People with the why of trust believe that if you trust them and they trust you, sky's the limit. But boy, if you violate their trust, there's going to be a problem, right? So it's very important that we know that about them because we don't want to let them down. If you if you're if they trust you and you trust them, we're great. Let's make sure if we say we're going to do something, let's do it, right? And often it's uh, I like to laugh about this, but it's not so much that you don't do it; it's that you didn't tell them you weren't going to do it, right? Give them lots of opportunity to prepare if there's something's not going to get done. The third one is make sense. People with the why of make sense are really good at taking in lots of information and coming up with solutions. It can make sense of things really fast. They're your quick problem solvers. Often they can come across as know-it-alls because they process information faster than most of us. But boy, they love solving problems. You come to them with a problem, they say, Doug, I know what you need to do. And usually pretty quickly. The challenge, obviously, with, with, that, with that why is they tend to leave people behind. Right. If they're if you're in a leadership position and your why is makes sense, you get things before everybody else does. So you're ready to move on. And everybody's like, hold on, Doug. <laughs> we we're not quite sure what it is that you're yeah. doing. So it's yeah. uh understanding that hey, you figured it out. Now explain it to everybody else. So it's a it's a gift and it's also something you want to make sure you, you're careful of. The next one is better way. We've talked about it. People with the why of better way. I mentioned a couple of people, including Gary. These are people who love to find better ways to do things. They can't help themselves. They walk into a room and they'll see a better way to rearrange the room from the queue at the bathroom to the fuel that uh, that powers the, the space shuttle. They're always looking for a better way to do things and share it. The gift is they love sharing it with others. These are people that always say, hey, found a better way to do this. Doug, let me, let me call my friend Doug. He's going to love hearing that we found a better way to do this. The next one is right way, which is a little different, but so necessary. These are the people that love to do things the right way. They love systems, processes. They're the people that create policies and procedures in a company. These are the people that can um, create repeatable processes for the genius that a lot of the people in the company create. And they're the ones that we count on to create those systems. They love reliable results. So these are the people you might in a company say, hey, we don't... If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Okay, we're, it's working. So very important in a company for creating systems and processes. Uh, sometimes not so flexible in terms of trying new things because they want things to be proven. The next one is challenge. We've talked about that one, challenging the status quo. These are the, the oddballs, the crazies, right? But these are also the creatives. These are the people that are going to look at things differently than anybody else and so when you're looking for creativity, these are the people you want to go to. These are the people that often say, hey, why do we have to do it that way? And yeah. if it wasn't for those people, we'd, we'd, somebody said, we'd all be driving white Ford Pintos if it wasn't for these people that come up with the different designs and the new colors and all the fun stuff that we all enjoy, the variety of life. There's three left, clarify, mastery, and simplify. Mastery is 
the why of people who are love to learn. These are lifelong learners. If you've met them, these are people who, when they're into something, they learn it at a really deep level. How you recognize them is you ask them a question about something they love, and half an hour later, they're still talking because they know things. They love to learn. So they're, we call them lifelong learners. The next one is clarify. People with the why of clarify like to keep things clear and understandable. I want to make sure they understand you and that you understand them. You know, one of the ways I like to say you recognize these people and Doug, as a coach, you've sent out a, a contract to someone. These are the people that send you a three-page email with questions. The, the, the questions on the contract are longer than the actual contract because they want to be clear about everything. And so what's great about them is they have so, a great attention to detail. We want them reading our contracts because if you don't have attention to detail, they do. So you want to put them in that place where they can shine. And then the last one is simplify. People with the why of simplify like to keep things simple. They're the people that would have said, hey, Dan, you should have been done five minutes ago giving us these nine definitions. As a matter of fact, when we were defining, uh, we were finding short definitions for simplify, they said, simplify. <laughs> Literally, we had a, a focus group and they said, well, how do you define simplify? And say simplify. Well, they make things simple. They like to think, you know, they're the people that send you, instead of a long text, they'll send you a, a bullet text. Hey, Doug, here's what I need. Boom, 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 three bullets, and they're gone. Uh, very, no, very, and, and they're great communicators. Yeah. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. What, what comes to my mind describing these nine different things, this is a great example of one of the burdens on a leader to get to know your people. And if, if you can help facilitate the understanding of the why that each of the people on your team have, number one, the obvious, you can better allocate resources. So for all those examples you gave and the roles that people can fulfill and be highly motivated and excited by doing that, you can optimize your, the talent on your team because if, if you want the simplify guy doing something, you don't want to send them off to the learning library to go, you know, dig through 12 <laughs> years of art, artifacts and, and archives to uncover something. And there are just a lot of other combinations of examples I can think of that as a leader, if you take this on and, and sort of learn and understand these nine different whys, you can probably, with I'm going to presume pretty minimal training, learn how to ask a few key questions, and you could probably nail it every time with your people. Get them speaking in their own language about their their why and their motivation and their ultimate sense of purpose. And if you can tap into that energy, you're you're going to have a lifer with you. You're going to have somebody that's going to be so excited to get to work so ready to contribute in their own way and take advantage of everything you're putting up there. No, I, and I can tell that you've been doing this for a while, Doug, because that's exactly what is so valuable about knowing the whys of the people on your team. 
You want to get the right people on the right seat on the bus. And it's exactly what you said. Do you want to send your simplify guy to do the deep in-depth research on a project that's coming up? No, because it's going to drive him nuts. Can he do it? Yes. Will he do it? Probably if he's a dedicated employee, he's a dedicated guy to the cause. But why would you send him when you have a mastery person that loves research, loves learning things at a deep level? Let's send that person. And that person not only will get the job done, they'll enjoy it. Right? They'll, they'll go and spend eight hours in the library and come back excited about everything that they learn and create a report. So it's about finding the strengths and putting people in the right seats. Just like you, you heard me say, you know, Hugh Hornsby is, is one of our coaches and he leads a, a national sales organization. And that's exactly what he, he, he did. He became certified and he's taken all of the people on his team through the process because he wants to know, okay, do I have you in the right place? We often do this with executive teams. And we'll have an executive team and we'll go through and say, oh, maybe that person is in the wrong seat on the bus because they're they're doing the job, but boy, they're not happy, right? right. They're a creative mm. person. You don't want to put in that person with the why of challenge the status quo and do things differently in your accounting department. Because right. not only are they not going to like it, you're going to get you're going to get audited, right? Because they're going to say, hey, why do we have to do it that way? Why do we have to? Let's round up, right? They're not. Well, and, and, and this is really a whole new level above and beyond the notion of understanding somebody's skill and experience. Yes. Because, you know, we, we can think a um, simple example that comes to mind. You've, you've got somebody that's been an accountant slash bookkeeper for 12 years. Yeah. All right. They, they know their bookkeeping and they know the technical nits and nats of keeping a good set of books right but are they really suited and and does that tie properly to their ultimate why and you know you would think if somebody's done that for 12 years they they probably have, have sort of self-selected whether they they're into it or not but um nonetheless as a leader being able to really assure yourself that you've you've got the right person doing the right job and i know in the book on uh, the book is called traction it's by gino wickman and you know he's the founder of the whole entrepreneur operating system idea it's a popular movement that's taken over a lot of small business thinking one of the key elements that he talks about is getting the right people in the right role. And he says, you know, don't even think about the people you already have. Take a white paper, draw your organization to find the roles you need, and then go see who you've got that fits in those roles. Right. Giving what we're talking about here, I would argue you take it one step further. It's not, again, it's not just about skills and talent, but do they have that personal drive to be in that role? And I think you, you, you hit it on the head, Doug. Um, what the why is about is about our motivations and our beliefs. What is it that motivates you? What is it that you believe? Because every time we take somebody through understanding their why operating system, their why, their how, and their what, you can take those three statements that the, my why is to contribute, my how is to challenge the status quo, and my what is to make sense of things. I can very easily turn those into I believe statements. Yeah. I believe that success happens when I contribute to the success of others. I believe that the way to do that is by challenging the status quo and thinking differently. And I believe that helping people make sense of these things 
will lead to their success. So when you understand what people believe and what motivates them as a leader, you can then tap into a, uh, another gear that people will have. And, you know, I think one of the things that that's uncommon, we can't always do just what we love to do. There are things that we're going to have to do. Like we all have to do taxes, right? And not all of us are great at accounting and we either have to organize or find somebody to help us organize. But there's a little bit of that stuff that we don't like to do that we have to do. The key is to have people work in their genius zone as much as possible. So find, find that, find that area that they love to do and give people an opportunity to do that every once in a while. But finding people, I love the, I love that you brought up traction. I'm reading a book by near Eyal called indistractable. And he talks about traction. He says, a lot of people think the opposite of distraction is focus. And the opposite of distraction is traction, right? Traction, distraction. If we just look at the word and he says, what we want to do is traction is moving forward towards that. The goal that you have and distraction is moving away from your goal. And I think if you want to move your company, you want to move your team towards the goal that you have, have them lined up so that they're using their strengths and rowing in the same direction. So there's, there's the skills, which we, you know, we can have, and then there's, do you love doing it? And, and I think, you know, uh, Gary would, would uh, agree with this, that a lot of us sometimes go into a business because it's what everybody expected us to do. Gary's dad was a dentist. His brother was a dentist, been 30 years as a dentist, but what really fulfills him is being the CEO and founder of the Y Institute and helping the world discover their why, finding better ways to help people discover their why. That's where he really found his passion after 30 years, because sometimes we default into what we're going to do. Dad was a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. Dad was a mechanic. I'm going to be a mechanic. I'm taking over the shop. And so finding what you love to do or being able to do what you do in a way that fits your why is very important. Well, and, and back to my example of the job seekers I, I coached and, and dealt with, and our organization had the good fortune and opportunity to, we coached about 4,500 people over about a three-year period. So we wow. had our own sampling, so to speak, of, of behavioral issues and considerations. And uh, uh, often what, when you listen to somebody's story, what happened was, you know, they kind of got out of their school years, whether they went to college or not, um, but they immediately went into the work world. And so often the story was they just took the first job that was available mm-hmm. and launched them on a career path. Right. You know, they, they went to work at a retail store, they went to work at an auto shop, or they went to work in down here in Texas in the oil field. Right. And that one thing led to another, they got Mm -hmm. promoted, they got elevated, they maybe became a manager. And all of a sudden, you're looking in the rearview mirror of a 10, 15 year legacy of a career. And because of the economic downturn, that job was lost. And you're going, so what, you know, and I challenged people very specifically, as we went on this purpose journey to to say, so what, so right. what you spent all that time you're you you know the industry for the moment has turned their back on you so right. 
let's let's talk reality here right <laughs> you're, you're now being forced to make a decision why not make the decision that is far more fulfilling and purposeful than what you used to do because you evolved into that job mm -hmm. and you know i had not everybody embraced that not everybody drank that kool-aid but for the people that did i can promise you and to this day I get called. In fact, I got a call earlier today from one of the guys that was in that program, and he said, you know what you guys taught, told us and taught us? He said, to this day, I feel blessed because I changed gears. I went another direction, and I'm, I'm so very happy I did. You know, Doug, that's a that's a great point. So often you see, and and it isn't it true of a lot of things, right? Something that you, you know, something that should be devastating. You've been in this industry for 20 years. You, you're really good at it. You're respected. And all of a sudden, you don't have that job anymore. So you're not defined by that job. You are uh, one of our, you know, we, one of our coaches posted something about today. He said, your YOS is kind of like the features and benefits of you. And that, I thought it was a great way to put it. You know, if your why is better way, if your how is to challenge and your what is to build trust, hey, these are the features and benefits. If you get... And let's say that was your YOS, Doug. Hey, so if you get it, Doug, you're going to get somebody that's always going to look for a better way. That's a feature. The benefit is he's going to have lots of ideas. And he's going to bring them to you. And if they're going to, they're going to be better ways of doing things. Now, how he's going to do that is by challenging the status quo. So not only is he going to bring ideas, he's going to bring different ideas, way out of the box ideas. So that's the yeah. feature. Benefit is you're never going to run out of ideas. And he's a trusted person. If he says he's going to do it, you can trust that he's going to do it. So, hey, there's your features. There's your benefits. Where can you use that in your organization? Where do you map that as a leader? Where do you need somebody that has those traits? And oh, by the way, what are the skills? A lot of times, I, you know, and I hear a lot of employers say that nowadays, you look for the person and then you can teach them the skills. Skills aren't that hard, right? Getting that person that, that's going to enjoy doing that deep research, man, we can teach them how to use the library. We can teach them how to use the Dewey Decimal System. Does anybody even use that anymore? I think everything's Google nowadays. Yeah. But we can teach them how to navigate the archives. But we can't teach them to love navigating the archives and reading and creating all those footnotes and, 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 uh, and all the information that we need in the background when it takes somebody with the why of mastery to do that. Yeah. Well, that opens up a, another whole thing that, unfortunately, we're not going to have time for, but I just thought about it, and that is in the process, if, if, if you're a business owner and or leading a business unit, and you find yourself in the process of needing to hire people, mm -hmm. too often we do start with an assessment of skills and experience, and we don't ask enough of those questions about how a person is wired or what their motivators are to see if they're even going to be a fit in the team we've got. Because to your point, you know, potentially maybe our team is already overloaded with the, with the lifelong learner types. And mm -hmm. I, I don't need any more of those. I need some doers. You know, I need some people right. that are going to lean into the work. And, and that's not a condemnation on those people, but right. it, it's just a, a reality check on what you need to optimize your team. Mm -hmm. So don't go shopping for a guy that has, you know, skills X, Y, and Z just because you think that's what you need. But look at this personal why idea of what is it that 
what slot on your team do you need filled that you don't have now and in which why is the right answer for that uh, and you're absolutely right doug and, and you made me think of a couple of things danica treble one of our coaches talks about it's how we're wired and she spells it w-h-y how you're wired is how you're going to react to things um and, and i had a uh, on my show recently i had paul meenig and he creates uh, leadership councils, uh, executive leadership councils for, for his clients or peer advisory councils. And one of the things he uses is the YOS because if you're a small business owner and you want, you're part of a peer advisory council, what he's looking for is diversity of thought. So exactly what you said. If you have a bunch of masteries in the group, and let's pick on that one because you brought it up. These are lifelong learners, deep thinkers, and they're going to you know, they're going to, when you ask them a question, they're going to research it and find out what happens in that group. And we had it happen. Uh, I was working with the, when the ICF coach in Arizona and she went to do work with a group and they had a bunch of mastery people in it. Guess what that group doesn't do. They don't do, they don't make decisions really fast. They like to ask a lot of questions. They like to learn they say, and they, they happen to be in a government agency. So uh, it just so <laughs> happens that, you know, I'm sorry. Hey, is there, a, are you ever in a rush in a government agency? No, they're going to get the right answer. They're going to do the research and they, they're going to take their time. That would drive entrepreneurs crazy, right? Cause they want to move faster. I had another coach, he's a Dale Carnegie coach and he went into a company, did the executive team and on their executive team that had seven out of the eight had the why of better way. So what do you think they didn't do really well? <laughs> they, they had productive meetings where there were lots of ideas. Guess what? Nobody did. Nobody ever wrote anything down. There was nobody there. They needed a right way person that would be structured and create systems because, you know, and you've been in these meetings, I'm sure, Doug, where you're throwing out ideas and everybody's throwing out ideas. And at the end, man, you leave so energized. And Gary and Jerry uh, at Y Institute and I will do this. We used to do this. We'd have these amazing idea sessions a couple of hours and then we'd leave and guess what no one took notes <laughs> no one said hey when are we doing it by who's doing what and so we'd meet three months later and we'd say so what did we talk about and what are we going to do so do you we need decide? to yeah. balance out the teams right because those challenge people those better way people with all those ideas they need those right way people on the team you need those clarifiers to ask the clarifying questions because it's really good to come up with a lot of ideas. It's something else to come up with the plan. Jerry said it. I posted about that a couple of days ago. He says, you know, ideas are always uh, appreciated, but plans are treasured, right? Yeah. Who's yeah. going to put the plan together so we can get that done? Because that's a great idea. It's only an idea, though, until we we build it. You know, and that's They're the I think it was uh, Jim Rohn talked about the the, the time to 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 nurture an idea is at its birth, right? Because every, you got to put plans, you got to give it the breath of life with some plans. And me being a challenger, I know I can have a lot of ideas, but until I put it down on paper and create a timeline and a deadline, nothing's going to happen with it. So I got to surround myself with people that are going to say, great idea, Dan, when are we going to do it? Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Well, Dan, this has been uh, very powerful, very effective, and thanks so much for sitting in and sharing all this with us. Tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more. Thank you so much, Doug. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for your interview style. This is it's so fun and easy to talk to you. It feels like we're just having a conversation. And so if anybody has 
not complimented you on that. Let, let me be the first. I'm sure oh, I, I am not. Uh, you did a great job. Uh, the best way to get a hold of me is dan at whyinstitute.com, whyinstitute.com. Look for me on LinkedIn, Dan Dominguez at and Y Institute. You can find me there. Um, that's that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Good. And uh, I do want to make mention, we talked about this when we were offline, your former service member, there's a picture up there in the in the background for those that are going to watch the video. But uh, thank you for your service and, and time doing that. Well, thank you. Thank you also. I know you're a veteran also, Doug. So thank you for your service. Uh, you know, uh, as a as a it's interesting you you bring that up because as a contributor, I remember people said, so why'd you join the military? And I remember saying, you know, my, I come from an immigrant family. And I said, this country provided so much opportunity for us. I wanted to give back. And I didn't realize that, hey, that's just my contributor in me. I wanted to give back. I've always mentored people and always wanted to give back and make a difference. And so for whatever reason, you joined the military. For me, it was it was a uh, reinforcement of my why of contribute. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and I'll share that for me it was it was a sense of wanting to serve and and be a servant and you know it uh, as a, a good friend of mine who we were actually college roommates and he's now a retired brigadier general. We uh, and he was on one of my early early podcasts and he said, you know, Doug, the whole idea when you talk about service members right. listen to the word it's service you're serving right. the greater good by in, enrolling and enlisting and signing up to to go off to war quote quote um so it is it's it's very much a servant oriented mindset so um anyway again that's another topic for another day we could get into but one last time dan thanks so much for sitting in really appreciate it well, it's been a pleasure, Doug. Thank you so much for having me. And folks, we are going to sign off. I do want to remind everybody, we do have a video version of this show over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. If you're listening on your favorite streaming service, uh, hop over to YouTube, check us out. Leave us a thumbs up, thumbs down, leave us a comment. And I always have an open invitation. If you or somebody you know would make a good guest on our show, uh, please let me know. We'd love to uh, talk to them and have that in. So thanks for now. Have a great day. We hope to see you again very soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.